does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Right now, joining us on the Mower Shop from Fisher's Hotline is Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers. Fish, great to have you back on. Uh, tough one yesterday. Many of us in central Indiana, you know, this game coinciding with the Colts finale, bring us into the scene and the atmosphere at Assembly Hall as Mike Woodson's team attempted to dig itself out of an early hole against Northwestern. Well, obviously, they started off slowly once again, which has been a problem uh, that's happened several times throughout the year, especially against good teams. And they put themselves in a 17-point hole early. Uh, then from that point on, they tried to dig it out. They they were able to, to actually get the lead, I think, at one point in the second half or came close to getting it. But they could never really get their teeth you know, in the Northwestern to the point where they could take hold. And honestly, it's it's a it's a problem right now that's been ongoing for several weeks. Yeah, It's a team right now that's struggling defensively. And uh, I, I can't compare it with the Colts situation <laughs> uh, in any way, shape, or form at this point uh, because there have been so many things with the Colts this year. But from Indiana's perspective, there's there were expectations at the beginning of the season. The media said they would be a Big Ten contender, right. all these kinds of things. And now, obviously, they've lost two in a row for the second time this year. Uh, they've lost five ball games. Four of those ball games, they've allowed over 84 points or 84 and more mm. in the four games that they've lost out of the five. And uh, things have str- are uh, in a world of hurt right now, and it's not helped any by the fact that they've got two starters on the sidelines for an indefinite period of time. Yeah, Race Thompson, Xavier Johnson, as you mentioned, those issues aren't going to be solved anytime soon. Trace Jackson Davis postgame last night, Don, said, look, Mike Woodson had a great plan. We didn't follow it at all defensively. Is it communication? Is it the inability for guards to simply stay in front of their man? What can you pinpoint about this defense that's simply non-existent at the moment? Well, it's it's from my perspective, uh, and my color analyst Eric Seward said this several times during our ball game yesterday. Uh, Indiana is just not picking up aggressively uh, defensively at the guard positions. They're not. They're not forcing. They weren't forcing Northwestern out of any kind of uh, pattern that they wanted to go to. You've got to be able to uh, be aggressive at the defensive end of the court. And I've, I think I said this last week, to you guys. Uh, it, this is one of my big issues with this team right now. Right, is they continue not. They continue not to match the opposing teams aggressiveness or their intensity level, especially at the outset of games or even at the outset of second halves. Hmm. You you have set you have to set the tone. And to set the tone, you have to at least match what the other team is doing uh, from an aggression standpoint, or you've got to be more so in that regard. You've got to be doing more of it. And Right now, this team is not doing that. Uh, Bob Knight, and I said this before as well, um, Bob Knight said the most important part of any basketball game are the first five minutes of each half. Yeah. 
uh, if you you set the tone at that point, uh, and you you not only set it for the other team, you set it for yourself. The intensity level that you must play with, and let's face it, these guys are not matching what we're seeing out there by the other team. They did against Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a terrific performance in the first fifteen minutes of that ball game, but then they allowed uh, North or Iowa to come back on them. Uh, toward the end of the first half when race went out because that was a blow to them. There's yep. no question about that. It, it uh, fixates from a concentration standpoint and a focus standpoint, and you're worried about your teammate and all those kinds of things. But then you've got to overcome that, and you've got to go to the locker room. You've got to reset. Uh, you have to reset your focus, and you've got to really start to understand how important it's going to be to really buckle down. And right now, this team is not doing the things that they need to do on a consistent basis. It's that simple. So, Fish, as the intensity level and playing well early in halves coincide with each other, does that speak to why maybe the first part of this Big Ten campaign has been so challenging at times? Well, I think that's a big part of it. I don't think there's any question. I mean, they got down big against Arizona in the first half. They got down big against Kansas basically for the entire ball game, uh, but it started at the very beginning um, against Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers came out and just, you know, they dominated in Indiana in the early part of that contest, and then you've got to try to fight your way back into it. Well, the other team's already there with their intensity level, and they're not going to let up. And so from that perspective alone, I think right now, and Trace is right, I mean, <laughs> this team has to understand they're, they are good. They've, they've got talent. No question. But they're, but they're not good enough to, to go up against another team with the same amount of talent uh, and just go through the motions or not execute the game plan. And obviously this team right now, I mean, look at the straight line drives that Iowa had to the basket in the second half, and you had the same exact thing in this game against Northwestern yesterday. So they're not executing the game plan on top of all the other stuff we've just talked about. Fish mentions, look, the early 17-point hole – and then you come out in the second half, you don't score a point for the first three minutes. It just didn't come together. You look at the final score. Oh, they lost by one. No, there was a much different story yesterday at Assembly Hall. Don Fisher on the Mower Shop Hotline, out of Fisher's Charlie Clifford Wish TV, Brendan King here. Don, when you look at Jalen hood Shafino, 33 points, most by an IU freshman since Eric Gordon in 2007. He had some issues with the turnovers through two games as Mike Woodson's point guard. What are your takeaways from the highly recruited freshman? Well, actually, you can say he's played four games now in that regard because he played the two games prior to the holidays as well. But he has gotten better each and every ball game, at least from a scoring perspective. I mean, he has definitely taken up some, a lot of the slack left by Xavier Johnson's uh, absence. And, and I think in, in some regard, especially yesterday, you can talk about the fact that he took up some of Ray Thompson's absence, too, <laughs> right. from, from a story standpoint. But, but look, he's a freshman. He's going to make some mistakes. Uh, obviously, he's got to clean up the turnover issue. But he has really tried to take over the role that Xavier previously had uh, because it's up to him now. Uh, he, there's nobody else out there that is a true point guard that they have on their roster. And that's where the, that's where he is, you know, he's trying to make up for what's missing. And sometimes that, that creates some issues in regard to the turnovers and that kind of thing. Pressing is what it's called, I guess. Yep. And uh, honestly, uh, I give him a lot of credit because he's in a tough situation. We know he's a terrific talent and we know now that he can score on a consistent basis because he's raised his scoring every single game since he's been the starter. He had, 
I think he had 17 and 18 in the first two games that we talked about against Elon and Kennesaw State. Now he's had over 20 and now 33. So this guy is really upping his game, at least from a scoring perspective. Uh, he's trying to do the right things on offense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's going to be some issues there from a correction <laughs> standpoint. But look, uh, this kid's doing a heck of a job. Fish, Trace Jackson Davis, 24 of Indiana's 40 rebounds, which is remarkable. Uh, does that number come more towards because Race Thompson was not out there and Jackson Davis took a majority of what Race would have gotten, or is he just on a different level right now when it comes to rebounding the basketball? Well, think about this. He's playing more minutes than he's ever had to play in a ball game before. It's I nuts. don't know if he ever played 38 minutes in a game uh, last year uh, or any of the previous two years he was there, the three years that he's you know, he's played previously. I'd have to look it up to see if he's actually played 38 minutes in a game. I would, If he has, I, I can count on less than one hand the number of times that's happened. But playing 38-plus minutes in the Iowa ball game and 40 minutes in the game against uh, – Northwestern yesterday. It's crazy when you when you consider the deal that he's dealing the the fact that he's dealing with uh, a back problem and it's it's not an insignificant back problem. So consider that and then see what he's done on the floor. It is amazing and uh, he showed tremendous heart in my mind, uh, tremendous courage in that regard, and guts it out. And you ca- you got to give this guy credit. I mean, I I've been critical at times of Trace because yep. I think at times. In past years, and it, when he was in high school, I think he just kind of took day. Not, I don't want to say he took days off, but but right. what he did was he wasn't as dominant a player as he could be on a on a continuous situation or a consistent situation, and that's where things have changed for him because he has stepped up big time, and especially in these last two ball games. But I think overall, this year he's played very well most of the time, and. I think it all started with last year's Big Ten tournament when he had three just tremendous ball games. That was an incredible run. 24 rebounds yesterday afternoon against Northwestern, the most by an IU player since Steve Downing in 71. Okay, The most by a Big Ten player in nearly 20 years. That's how dominant TJD was on the glass fish. I think that brings us to the crux of this conversation for Mike Woodson and his staff as they huddle today to try to make corrections. The fact that Trace Jackson Davis has given you 30 points and nine rebounds and then turned around and given you 18 points and 24 boards, playing 78 of the 80 possible minutes at Iowa and against Northwestern, is your level of concern significantly higher with this team considering your best player has been otherworldly in these two losses? Well, I don't think you can say anything but that it's a concern because obviously at this point there are other people that need to step up. And they haven't had that that from anybody with the exception of these two guys, Hood Shafino and, and, um, uh, and Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Trace, uh, or uh, Tamara yesterday. Had Feels a like a two-man team, Fish. Yeah, exactly. And, and it can't be that. I mean, yeah. this is a ball club that we talked about at the beginning of the year. Uh, tremendous depth. We thought this is a ball club that can survive an injury or two. But yep. we're finding out very quickly that the guys that we expected to step up coming off the bench or now into starting roles have not been what we had thought they would be. And in that regard, it's very concerning, and it's going to be up to Mike Woodson to see if he can get this thing turned around in that regard. It's the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com. For all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, 
plus service and power tools. Fish, last thing. So back-to-back losses in the Big Ten. Now you have to go on the road to Penn State on the 11th. Penn State loses by double digits yesterday to Purdue. How difficult of all years, all your years calling games, how difficult is it for a team to go into a road environment with kind of your heels already squeaking back to the wall in some way? How hard is it to play on the road when maybe things are not going well? Well, it's always hard to play on the road no matter what, but at the same time, <laughs> If you think about, and, and I, I hate going back to Bob Knight all the time because people are going, who? Uh, and they say that, and I'm talking about people who don't know Indiana basketball, but uh, when you go back and you think about how Coach Knight went about his business, uh, he never talked about road games being a problem. <laughs> he no. never did. He never. He, he just said, hey, the, the, the floor is exactly the same. The baskets are the same height. Uh, what's the problem here? Well, the problem is mind. It's mm. all in the head. It's in your head. Do you think you could win on the road, or you don't, or don't you think you could win on the road? That's a Terry Hepnerism. <laughs> you think you can't? You're <laughs> so mindset. You've got to have a positive mindset. You've got to believe. And right now, this team doesn't look like it's believing. And until they do, they're going to struggle. Who can be that third option for Mike Woodson and? Who, if anyone, can find some defensive presence on the other end of the floor? This is Don Fisher. Fish, we appreciate you. Best of luck on the trip out to Penn State, and we'll see you back at home Saturday afternoon as Wisconsin, the 14th-ranked Badgers, head to Assembly Hall. Have a great week. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to our next guest. It is a guy I've gotten to know well over the last couple of years working in the Cub organization, a guy that both Cliff and I grew up listening to from Chicago. This is a treat. This is awesome. It's David Kaplan joining us on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Cap, great to have you, my friend. First thing. Okay, first of all, what? slow down with the you grew up listening to me. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. What? What? What are you, Cap, like nine? Cap, yeah. Cap, you were still running basketball clinics. I can remember those days, man. Shout out to you. I always turn to you and like, hey, who's grinded? Who's made it? I'm like, you got to read David Kaplan's story, man. Wow. That's <laughs> going back a long time, man. Uh, Cliff, uh, that's awesome, Cliff. Cap, great to have you. First thing, your reaction to the day that was at the end of the day, Cap, where the Bears wind up with the number one overall pick. Uh, it, it was pretty amazing. I'm sitting there <laughs> watching all this with my wife. And my son, I'm like, there's no freaking way because they're winning all day, the Texans. And I was amazed by the number of people, like intelligent, in the media, cover the team people. <laughs> oh, I think the Bears are going to cover the number against the, the Vikings. I'm like, do you guys realize Nathan Peterman started four games in his career and loses by an average of 27 points? They are not trying to win, <laughs> and if they are, then they really need to just fire everybody that's there because they're the dumbest people in the world, and they're not. So I'm watching this. I'm like, wow, the Texans are up significant. Ah, here come the Colts. The Texans are down. <laughs> it's over. Little did I know that Lovey had already basically been told he was out. Right. And so that was his big middle finger to the owner, like – yeah, make sure you give me my checks, and good luck. You're picking second. That was awesome. The McNair family Christmas card list has just been updated. Unfortunately, the Smiths will not be receiving one. Uh, Cap, we're getting right to the heart of this thing. Colts fans need a quarterback. They are very enticed with 
a potential trade option with the Bears at one. How likely do you think Ryan Poles is like to pull is is to pull the trigger on a swap to move out of the number one spot, Cap? Oh, I think it's a lock he's moving out of it unless somebody calls him and gives him, you know, just an insane deal for Justin Fields, and I don't think he wants to trade Justin. I think Justin is really, really well liked in the room. Okay. And he's a great leader. He's what Jay Cutler never was, a leader of men. So I do not see a scenario where Justin isn't our quarterback, except this proviso, it resets the clock on Ryan Poles because now he doesn't have to pay Justin after next year. Correct. He has a quarterback on a rookie deal for five more years. Beautiful. Management, if they sign off on doing that, would then be saying, yeah, you're not going anywhere for a long, long time. So does he pull that off? I don't think so because of how good Justin is in that room, how much they believe in him, and he's a good player. So I don't think it happens, but I think he takes every freaking call as he should. And if it's the Colts calling saying, Hold on a minute. What do you want for Justin Fields? What do you want for the number one pick? Cap, that call's coming. It, it, it's no coming, doubt. baby. Like, let me ask you a question. The Colts are picking what number? Four. Four. Okay, that's what I thought. If, what if the Colts said to you, I mean, if you're the Bears, and the Colts called and said, okay, we want to go four to one, hmm. we'll give you Quentin Nelson and another number one. Right, you're one next year plus our four plus a veteran top line Pro Bowl talent, correct? That's what you're laying out? Correct. So all of a sudden now, if you're the Bears, you have fixed one of the big problems on your team. You need a guard. you got to get one. Now so, be careful, Cap, because plenty of Colts fans after the tape this year are wishing they would have walked back that extension with Quentin Nelson. I don't know if it's all on him. The line was an absolute mess. They gave up 60 sacks. Only the Broncos were worse. But when Ryan Poles pops in that tape, it's not going to look like the Quentin Nelson tape from two or three years ago. He, he admitted as much last night post game. Okay, so what if they said uh, DeForest Buckner? Now you're on to something. Yeah. Now you're on to something. I, we need a three technique. So, again, it's going to be really difficult for the Bears to screw this up. Hmm. Now, they could screw the pickup, that's hmm. for sure. Because for all the negativity surrounding Ryan Pace, let me just tell you, Ryan Pace had some really good hits outside of the first round. Like, he was really good the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, the Darnell Mooney's in the fifth and the Khalil Herbert's in the sixth and all these other guys, Cole Komet. All these guys are really good football players. But when you have four top ten picks – starting in 2015, Yikes. 16, 17, Yikes. 18, and none of them are on your current roster, that's a problem. Mm. David Kaplan's with us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com. I'm Brendan King with Charlie Clifford. Cap, my next question was going right into what the Bears would want. I, I think there are certain teams in the league that can offer a more pick-centric deal. The Colts could probably offer a better player-wise deal. So does that make it more attractive to a, to the Bears when they go and take those phone calls? Well, I, 
I don't know if it matters to them just where they're getting players. I really believe they're looking at it going, what's the best thing for our football team? Like, you know, I was amazed the number of people calling in on my radio show today on ESPN 1000. Oh, we're going to win nine, ten games next year. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. Sparky. Let's go. Because, yeah, it's we have the worst roster in the National Football League. Like, the Colts had a bad team. Your roster is far superior to what the Chicago Bears have. I'm I'm just telling you, in terms of first-round picks on the roster, look at the Bears. They have one first-round pick of their own. I'm not talking about bust-outs like Alex Leatherwood. I'm talking about their own. They got Justin. (laughs) That's it. Their wide receiver room is literally embarrassingly bad. They have, other than Darnell Mooney, and he's coming off a season-ending injury that required surgery, so... I don't know what they have in that room. So it, there's a lot of issues there. Their offensive line, horrifically bad. They have a couple guys. Maybe Braxton Jones can slide over to right tackle. Maybe he develops. But you need three receivers. You need three starting offensive linemen. You need a linebacker. You need an entirely new defensive front four, and you add got to add another corner. Man, that's a lot. Other than that, that, that how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? You know, <laughs> yeah, that points back to Brendan's question. I, I'm leaning towards then. Give me all the picks. If I'm not ready to invest in a DeForest Buckner, a veteran Pro Bowl talent who maybe has a couple years left on his deal, I, I'm taking the deal with the picks. Cap, I need your thoughts on this. This was a laughing stock season in Indianapolis. Jeff Saturday is brought in. General Manager Chris Ballard is sitting at that press conference midway through the season looking like he wants to be anywhere but Indianapolis when that decision was made by Jim Irsay. It appears Ballard will remain on as the general manager unless there's a change in the 11th hour here from the owner's office. From an external standpoint, in terms of the teams that took a step backward, not only on the field, but from a branding standpoint this season, where do you rank the Colts in that list as you're taking into account the rest of the National Football League? Uh, that's a train wreck over there. <laughs> and, and not because Jeff Saturday came in, because I think Jeff Saturday's a really good person. He's a quality no question. man. No question. It's just the whole setup is a train wreck there. It is. You, it, it, one after another, keep overpaying to get these lousy veteran quarterbacks, whether it was Matt Ryan who was done or it was uh, – who else did you guys Wentz. bring in? Carson Wentz. And I remember from an impe- impeccable source. It can't get any better. Mm-hmm. He said that when the Bears were kicking the tires on Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson said to his dear friend – and if you remember the year that Doug Peterson was out of football – yeah. He would pop he into a training camp. camp here. We saw him. We he saw was, him here too. It, well, he was working Bears camp with Matt Nagy, and yep. reportedly he told Matt, "Stay as far away from Carson Wentz as you can." Hmm. And so the Bears did. Never made an offer. You guys rode in and got him, and we found out that guy can't play. Yeah, Washington was reminded of that as well. BK, what else you got for Cap? Cap, when was the last time the Bears kind of held the NFL in their hands like they are right Shoo. now? The palm of their hands. 
1985. <laughs> <laughs> we were shuffling. It was wild to see not yeah. only in the in the in the cherry on top with Rodgers getting bounced. Final thought here, Cap. What's Aaron Rodgers do next year? He's playing in Green Bay. He's got a $99 million dead cap hit. You guys, please don't tell me you think he's going to walk away from 55 or $60 million in guaranteed dollars. No, he's he's a lot of things. He, he is not financially inept to that degree. I'm with you. It's just awesome that we get, you know, the... I was told he gave each reporter kind of a shout out post game and the what ifs are going to be, you know, the, the swan song will continue. I, do you get a sense that Packer fans are, are sick of all this? It, it, have they, or was that last season going to be the high watermark in terms of them throwing up their hands saying, you know, is this really still worth it? Uh, I think Packer fans are tired of the drama. Do you want to play here or not? Yeah, it's a good community. Same. We support our team. You're making insane money. Do you want to be here or not? If he walks away from a guaranteed $100 million over the next two years, that will be the most stunning decision I've seen in sports because mm-hmm. what do most people say? Greedy athletes, all about the money. If he truly says, nah, you know what, I'm good, I'm out, keep the money, that will shock me. Cap, last thing. We'll quickly get you out of here on this. Cubs a wild card team this year. I'll be at Cubs convention this weekend. Let's go. absolutely have a chance. First of all, look at that division. The Reds truly belong in AAA, as do the Pirates. (laughs) The Brewers? The Brewers, every year I hear, well, we have really good prospects and we don't want to trade them. (laughs) They've never, ever made a run and pushed their chips in and gone, we're in. Yeah. And the Cardinals? Yeah, they got my guy Wilson Contreras, who I love. But the Cardinals haven't done anything that you go, oh, my God, they're a juggernaut. They didn't go get Aaron Judge and add in Justin Verlander and push all their chips in. You're telling me in that division, with good health, the Chicago Cubs can't build on a 39-31 and second half, win 85 games and get in the playoffs? I'll tell you, they can. Not telling you they will. They can. Optimism. I love it. Cheers to optimism. I love it, Cap. Cap. Hey, man, we appreciate the time. Have a great day. See you, man. Thanks, bud. David Appreciate Kaplan it. with us on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Andy, let's roll. Charlie Clifford to Wish TV. Brendan King, Eddie Garrison, the top story we continue to follow. Jeff Saturday is moving forward as a candidate in this head coaching search. Saturday just left the podium. Earlier during the 1 o'clock hour, Stephen Holder, ESPN, joining us on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Stephen, Jeff Saturday clearly had the conversation with his family, and then I'm sure Jim Ursay as well. Yes, after that seven-game losing streak, no looking back, wants to move forward, and now the selling begins on his part of why he should do it. He sat down and answered your questions this afternoon. What was the approach Saturday took today? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on a little horse, so bear with me here with the, uh, the, the raspy voice. But uh, he, I think, took the approach that uh, I think it sort of resembles what Jim Mercy has said, which is that he thinks that Jeff is a very strong candidate. And I thought that he talked like someone who believed he is a strong candidate for this job, the permanent job of coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, certainly his 1-7 record uh, definitely undermines that, right? There's no question about it. 
Uh, I think the case he tried to make, because that was the question, right? It's like, all right, if you if you see yourself as the individual who's qualified to do this, you have to, you know, what's the <laughs> right. case you make? Okay, continue. And, Go on. Right, right yeah. exactly. Tell us more. <laughs> Tell us more. And and what he said was that uh, he, he wanted to hold his his sales pitch close to the vest, so he didn't share it. But it, hmm. but he, he did kind of defend how they got to one in seven, which we can quibble about. And and I think the, the takeaway from that part of the conversation, as I wrap this up, is that, look, you know, we had we had a lot of things going against us. You know, I came in and I'm, I'm coaching someone else's team uh, with their staff, uh, with all the pre-existing problems. Um, you could argue it's, you know, not taking responsibility for, for that one in seven mark. So, I mean, it depends on the eye of the beholder, obviously. But uh, that was where my takeaways. What part of his vision did he share? Okay, let's let's make yeah. you the head coach, Jeff. What do you do? Where did he where did he he go into further detail on that plan? Well, that's the problem. He didn't, and, yeah. and I think that was a little frustrating. So, here's what he did say. I, I think he he made it clear that there would be significant changes. Now, I can't speak to what they are because he didn't share. Um, I can speculate, right? I mean. I, I think the structure of things, scheduling, uh, you know, the, the the way practice is conducted, those are the kinds of things that that coaches can change that mm-hmm. are that that are you know sort of obvious to the to the naked eye, so right. to speak. Uh, but beyond that, I'm you know, it, it it takes more than that too. You know, that those aren't necessarily magic answers either. So uh, I, I think the it can look different on the outside, but is it going to be you know, is it going to you know lead to to different results? You know, I think that's that's a question that we can't answer because we don't know the 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 substance of those you know the specifics, I guess, of those actual changes. Just to be clear, he did go out and say, from what I had read, that if I'm the head coach, I'm not a coordinator. There's three coordinators that he would like to have the final say on. Is that correct? Well, I think he was talking in sort of general terms, okay. like you know, okay. if I mean that was, that was my take on it, but. But I, but I think you know. So whether it's the current staff or not, I, I can't say that specifically. Sure. But I definitely got the impression that he has he has either in his mind thought about uh, additional coaches, or I should say, new coaches, um, and and has considered what his coaching staff would look like. I, I got the impression it would look different and p- perhaps very different. Hmm. Uh, Steven, if they do decide to bring Saturday back and then also Chris Ballard comes back, how would they sell that to an already frustrated fan base? I think that's the biggest variable. Maybe not the biggest, but that is one of the biggest variables that Jim Mercy has to consider if this is something he's serious about. I will tell you, I mean, I don't think social media is a is a perfect uh, example necessarily of, of public <laughs> opinion, but that that's all we have sometimes, right? I mean, I didn't I didn't take a poll of of Indianapolis residents, but I, I can tell you, rarely do you get such overwhelming sentiment that this can't continue, right? I, I just I'm not hearing any of that, and, and the only thing I'm hearing is that you know. We got to go in a different direction as a fan base. That that's what I'm hearing from them, uh, and it's been almost universal. And and again, no question. There's usually some. There's usually some sort of uh, divide. There has not been a divide. And and I think even if you even if we didn't have social media to to call upon as as perhaps a, an example, what we know is people aren't happy with one in seven. 
they aren't happy with losing three of those games by at least 17 points. They aren't happy with with any of what they've seen, right? Because how could they be? So it's a sales job. It is, it is a yeoman's job, <laughs> I think it would be, to, to sell this. But I'm still not prepared to say it won't happen. Stephen Holder joining us on the Mower Shop in Fisher's Hotline. Charlie Clifford to Wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. Stephen, the path moving forward, how quickly will either word leak out quietly behind the scenes or maybe just with a simple press conference announcement that Chris Ballard will be heading to the podium to put to bed any speculation that Jim Ursay is still determining who the general manager of this football team will be next season. Uh, you can anticipate hearing from Chris Ballard this week. Right. That I can tell you. Uh, that that will happen probably uh, very, very soon, like in the next few days. I anticipate that happening. I am and, – and even taking that out of the equation, whether he talked or, or didn't, uh, I have been uh, overwhelmingly convinced that he is coming back. I mean, yeah, you and I beyond, both. Beyond – Beyond Jim Mercy just saying it, um, I'm, I'm talking about just from indicate, other indications I've gotten, like uh, the fact that the Colts, for example, this is maybe something that is or isn't out there, like the Colts uh, telling potential candidates that Chris Ballard's in charge of the coaching search, for example, right? That doesn't mean he's going to make the final call. It just means that, you know, he's spearheading it, right? Right. So, so I think those are really strong indicators of Chris Ballard's uh, retention here and i expect him to be back steven holder i appreciate you taking a few minutes here busy day i know you got a full night ahead catch steven on espn read all his his content online appreciate you and we'll definitely look forward to more updates coming this week all right all right guys you got it thanks steven that is steven holder on the mower ship from mower shop from in fisher's hotline the mowershop.com all your snowblowers commercial and residential mowers plus service and power tools 